0: What a holiday weekend we just had, and I'm not talking about the 4th of July, I'm talking about the release of the final two episodes of Season 4 of Stranger Things. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to Nerdy 430, the podcast where we talk about nerdiest things for 30-ish minutes. Uh, My name is Kevin Bauer. With me, as always, is my co-host, Tim Keck, and when it comes to Season 4 of Stranger Things... As soon as I saw D&D in that first episode, I knew exactly who we needed to have. He's our friend. He's my dungeon master forever. Ladies and gentlemen, Brian Flaherty. Brian, how you doing? Well,
1: hi there. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. I'm very excited to talk about Stranger Things. I,
0: uh, spoiler alert, love the show. So yeah, I, I was trying to remember, you have watched all along, right? Or did you catch up before season four came out? Yeah, no, I,
2: I
1: watched from the beginning. I remember like when it first came out, I think I happened to get sick that weekend back in, I don't know, four or five years ago and binged it in like one sitting. Uh, and it was fantastic. Yeah, like, they, like That was the thing that happened that summer was Stranger Things.
0: Ugh, it was amazing. It's a sensation. Uh, and I thought this season overall was sensational. Do you guys agree? Oh, yeah,
2: I think uh in, they shouldn't call it stranger things. They should call it more of the same things. And you know what? That's not a complaint. I love it. I don't give a shit. <laughs> they could do, they could just release season five could just be season four again. And I'd still be like, hell yeah, man, Nancy Wheeler. She's got a gun. Okay. Eleven's going to hold out her hand and scream and that's going to stop the bad guy. And it's like, okay, cool. Yeah. I don't care. This is fun. Like it's the, I don't know. I don't know why there's so I have I, there are I do have beefs with this like it's not the perfect thing but I just I love it I just love this show it's great I want I can't I want 20 more hours please ASAP this was definitely definitely for me the best season since season one I think season one was
1: its own like great thing season two and three were they were cool moments but it was a lot of kind of treading water because every time you got to the end of the season it would be like oh there's a new portal we closed the portal. There was a new monster, but no answers were forthcoming. It's just like more mystery. Finally, now in season four, they're actually starting to pick apart like mis- mysteries and like showing you where origin stories started, actually answering some of the questions. And that just gets you to dive even deeper in because now you finally can start to like piece together the puzzles that they've just been adding more pieces to uh, over the past three seasons.
0: Dude, isn't it wonderful? I feel like it reeks of. uh when a good story, when you start off with like a story that is good and well thought out, the characters and uh, the, I don't know, events of the story are playing by rules that are defined, even if we don't know what the rules are yet. So like the big one that we've talked about a lot, Tim and I, is Harry Potter, how it starts off and the series is very soft magic. We don't know anything about how the magic works and the magic gets a little bit harder As it goes on, we learn a little bit more about the way that the magic itself works, not as much as some other series, but there's more grit to it and there's more depth than we had in the very beginning. But the very beginning of this story, it still seemed like it played by those rules. I totally feel that here. Like we're learning about how the portals opened. Everything feels very consistent. It all makes sense. It does feel very consistent, but then I think that's a great point,
2: Brian, is like now they're starting to answer questions. But now that they're finally answering questions, now I think there's more people being like, huh, does this really make sense? Does this does this really all line up? And I think for the most part it does, but I think yeah. maybe that's – this is where the rubber meets the road, where there's like, oh, there's actual – in there's actual things with this where I'm like, okay, this is weird. Why is this happening? What is – you know – the, the fact, I guess I'm saying I don't I'm I feel like I'm I could be more nitpicky with this season than the other seasons, because the other seasons didn't even bother answering any questions. And this season they started doing that. So now they've opened the door to be judged because they're finally making those like choices. Does that make sense? I think this is kind of where Game of Thrones
1: had a problem towards the end, because like all the of Game of Thrones, they just kept going further out and out and out and out, like different sprawling storylines. And you could just like it was building upon the world. And then when they had to come together to a point at the very end, like tell the final scene, there's only so many places it could go. So it was always going to be a bit unsatisfying. The problem with season two and three of Stranger Things was rather than continuing to expand outwards, they just stopped where season one ended and just continued on a parallel path, just going endlessly forward. And now we're finally getting that point where it's coming together. There's actually some like change happening. This new stuff. We're learning new information.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. But they still managed to, I guess, draw back in some of the things that they had spread out with. Like we did see what's her name? Judy again. Um Dustin's girlfriend and you know they did expand oh, yeah. out Robin's a terrific addition I I swear they had to be so pissed when the first part of the season came out and everybody loved Eddie so much they had to be so pissed that they killed him off like oh what a I, brutal moment
1: I gotta say killing off Eddie as much as it was like a cool scene his like guitar solo on top of the the house was amazing that's my beef for the season killing off Eddie Munson. Oh, bummer, <laughs> bummer, bummer, bummer. And also like, I, it was a cool death kind of, it was like cool death adjacent. Cause he got to do his really cool thing and he just kind of got killed by bats in a way that didn't really matter. Like I knew he was drawing things away, <laughs> but it, it kind of didn't matter. It kind of just felt like he died for nothing a little bit. Um, Really, I think I'm just bummed to see him go. It was by far my like his introduction in the first episode is like the, the crazy dungeon master, which, of course, me playing a ton of Dungeons and Dragons and being a dungeon master. I was thrilled to see. It's so cool. And then, you know, I guess he got his arc. He got to, you know,
0: save some people and he got to play his guitar solo. I mean, he's for sure the thief of this season. Like he came in, he has this one season and he is going to be one of the most memorable characters for the entire series.
1: I do really love um, that there's a a literary device or like a a device in uh, play. Device used in play is called Chekhov's gun. And the idea is if you see a gun mounted on the wall in act one, you have to fire that gun by act three. And they really set that up with this with his guitar, because like the first episode, you <laughs> see him like the guitar is mounted on the wall. He like kisses it and strokes it. And then in the last episode, he's like strumming that guitar and like killing bats with it. uh,
2: So goofy and fun of like a little nugget there. I'm I think I'm constantly impressed by Stranger Things is like the ability for them to create new characters like Billy mm-hmm. was great before <laughs> this. I thought I was all in on Billy uh even like the basketball player that was like kind of like the bad guy for this yeah. season it's funny how in the first episode i think i made this case on the last pod that the basketball player starts out as like a pretty good guy and and eddie's yeah. starts off as like kind of a dick and like an asshole and you're like oh this guy's it's clearly a good guy and a bad guy and then by the end they're they were flipped i would say probably a little too extreme i don't know why we're we're all like excited to see that this basketball player who was like a pretty nice dude whose girlfriend died and all he wants is justice for her. And uh, he's somehow getting split in half and I feel good (laughs) about it. I don't know. It's weird. It's a little weird, but they're still making up all this stuff coming up with new characters, which I love. It got me thinking about, well, two thoughts about Eddie, but I'm going to go with this one. Who are you guys rooting for? In the big Stranger Things love triangle. Are we a Steve Harrington crew? Are we a Jonathan Myers uh, crew? Who who are we rooting for with this? They really turned against
1: Nancy Nancy and Jonathan this season. They just like took Jonathan way. <laughs> like, they took Jonathan down a peg. They were like, no, thank you. We're not. We're going to make you a pothead. You're going to be doing nothing. Uh, and then they made Steve Harrington like, oh, he's, you know, he's grown up. Look how look how cool he is now. Honestly, like they, they kind of got me, though. I'm kind of on Team Steve now and I had not been for three seasons, but they shoved it down my throat and I'm eating it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Kevin, Team Steve, Steve, Team Jonathan. Oh, man, I was Team Steve this whole season. I was ready to be like, fuck Jonathan. This dude, you know, he's keeping stuff from Nancy. They clearly aren't working out. It's OK. It's young love. It doesn't have to work out. They're going to learn from this relationship and do better later. And then by the time Nancy and Steve kind of falls through in a way that I think makes a lot of sense in the final episode. And you see Nancy and Jonathan together again. I think I'm team Jonathan overall. I kind of like Steve, you know, he doesn't get exactly what he wants. He realized he made a mistake, but that doesn't make the mistake go away. He's got to (laughs) kind of go off on his own and find himself again. I like Lone Wolf Steve and I like Jonathan and Nancy. That's that's where I landed,
2: too, is I'm Team Steve, and I think he's too good for Nancy. All right. I don't see what the appeal is. I don't see why (laughs) Steve is the shining star of this town. He's he's bigger than all of them. Steve deserves his own thing. And you know Uh. what? I was like, what's a satisfying conclusion? For Steve, maybe it's him riding off into the sunset by himself, or maybe it's these amazing Stranger Things writers, casting directors. I don't know who it is that invents these new characters, but are we going to get a new like love interest for Steve next season? Would it be satisfying for a a someone introduced in the last season to sweep Steve Harrington off his feet? Steve's going to become like a Matthew Perry-esque
1: inspirational teacher. Like that's what he's that's what that hit, that's his final arc. He's going to be in a lifetime of original movie. Matthew Perry will be starring him. Matthew Perry will star as him uh, because he inspires so many kids with his uh, unconventional teaching methods. That's that's Steve Harrington <laughs> at the end of his life.
0: Oh my Eddie, god!
2: The the Eddie talk also got me thinking about my biggest beef, Kevin. This is oh, this is my biggest beef of the, 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 the show. Yes. Ooh,
0: ooh, ooh. Where's the beef? <laughs>
2: I love Dustin. Dustin's great. He's a, mm-hmm. he's a very fun character. He's 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 a good he's a good guy. He's a good time. When he laughs, I laugh. When he cries, I also laugh. Is the problem? <laughs> he, he is. <laughs> this is the worst limp I've ever seen an actor do on screen, on stage, on anything. Him limping at the end of this show is the funniest shit I've ever seen in my life. He's so bad at it. He can't limp. He like hurt his ankle and the actor did What is this? Gadden? He's just like, he's just violently like, like, like a hunchback serving. Like who's the, like Igor in like a castle. He's like, he's like hobbling around and he, and he can't sit. He has to be like up and going places. And he's trying to tell Eddie's uncle that Eddie died and, and the whole time he's like got this horrible limp where he's like can barely stand <laughs> somehow, but he's still like walking around and it's just so bad. And then he's just telling the uncle like, hey, man, this is how Eddie died. And the uncle, no follow up questions. No follow-up questions. <laughs> Dustin was there when your nephew died. He said he fought bravely. <laughs> what did he fight bravely? It was exactly. a fucking earthquake. Yeah, <laughs> so, I also
1: thought that too. You're not yeah. going to ask
2: any questions from this weird-ass limping kid who comes up out of nowhere, <laughs> says says your nephew died bravely, and then just like walks died off, or, like, hops like, off? Died bravely in a fight.
0: Hey. If Eddie had it his way, that earthquake never would have happened. He fought tooth and nail to keep that ground from shaking. It just
2: that whole that whole scene with dust. And then he like limps out of the school. Just every time he limped, I was just like, I can't take this. This is all dumb. This is all bullshit. This is the worst. It's the one part of the show where I was like, fuck this. This is stupid. This is let let that guy just be fun. I don't know. I was just so out on the whole thing. It was just so weird. And and fake to my just phoned it in. They just phoned in like the last 10 minutes of uh,
0: Dustin's uh, uh, scene. I think in the actor's defense, the character was suffering from unspecified injury. We didn't see what happened. He hit the (laughs) ground and he screamed and then he was moving around. Still, we had no idea what it was. Uh, I was an ACL shattered ankle. Dude, when you have something that egregious like Will's bowl cut this limp i say you fucking (laughs) lean into it season five whole time I want to see that bowl <laughs> cut every single second Will's on screen in season five. I want a four-year time jump and Will's still rocking that bowl cut. And I want Dustin limping for the rest of his life.
2: <laughs> Dustin never recovers from a six-foot drop. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: but but Max, totally fine. <laughs>
0: yeah, Max can
1: come back. Max, I do think no I, long-term I, oh, Max got
2: fucked up. Dude, Max got
0: fucked up. That was, that was up. a thief moment for me. Oh, well. I think you're a thief. I mean, that was name another piece of media where you have the climactic moment where the protagonist is rushing to save someone from like a certain doom and the person still kind of suffers from that doom. The only kind other example suffered. that I she can got think
2: snapped of. In, she got snapped like twigs by dude. She didn't Her die. Her eyes are bleeding. What do you mean she kinda got, got? I, look, the kind of got cut? She's in a fucking coma right <laughs> now. She got lit the fuck up. She's a vegetable <laughs> right now. She's not waking up for season five. Yeah, not only like, you know, in the media, but think
1: this is a child this is happening to in the world. Yeah. <laughs> like she, She's like 15 when, years old. <laughs> when, when, when she floated in the air, I was like, oh, OK, I see what's I see what's going to happen. They're going to rush. And they're going to save her just in time. When the first mm-hmm. limb snapped, I was like, holy shit, they're going to do this. Oh they're going to do this. And then they got because three lit. They got three out of four, man.
0: The only other time that we see something progress that far is if the character goes on to be like permadead. I know she died temporarily before Eleven brought her back but like that's a situation where it's like I I'm never used to seeing the character that they're trying to save still get hit with whatever they were trying to save them from the only other time that I can think about it was Harvey Dent in The Dark Knight and in that case they didn't know they were saving Harvey anyway so like he still got hit with half of the the burning fuel or whatever but like it would be like if he was trying to save Rachel Dawes and Rachel Dawes Dawes. Rachel Dawes got burnt in half. Was, I mean, crazy, crazy that they did this. I love it. This was one of the first ones. We talk about this with Game of Thrones too. It's one of the first shows that I'd ever seen where you genuinely worry about the protagonist's safety because anybody yeah. could die at any moment. Like somebody could die six minutes into episode three. They don't wait for big like cliffhangers or anything like that. Stranger Things is like that for me now. Anybody can just get fucked up. Okay, who are your... Who are your, like, least expendable
2: characters, though? Because I realized once it was happening, I was like, oh, Max can't die. I refuse to live in a world where Max does not live in Stranger Things. She's up there for me. I feel like Steve at this point, I'd be devastated. Everyone else, like, you know, fuck them. Like, let's see it. Let's see what happens when Mike dies. Let's see what happens when, uh, you know... I. I like Lucas. I want to keep Lucas around. Lucas and Will should probably stay. Everyone else just like, let's see what happens. What Like Eleven needs another loss, right? Like, I, I feel I like Mike's think, dead. Mike's dead in the next season for sure. I do Calling think Steve dying would be like the most traumatic one.
1: That one Steve he would had be such a redemption arc. Like he was one of the characters I cared about the least, like episode one, season one. And now is the character I'm most invested in. And they like just kept building him up season after season. And that one, that one would hurt. That one would hurt about as much as Eddie Munson.
0: Eddie Munson hurt pretty bad. Dude. I think Steve is toast. I, they made me realize <laughs> in the upside down part of this season, how vulnerable he is. They played the thing. Um, In the movie Ford v. Ferrari, which is based on true events, so I don't think this is a spoiler, there's a moment where Christian Bale's character is having a really sweet talk with his kid, and they do this, like, pull-my-finger joke. And in another really dramatic moment, they do the pull-my-finger joke to lighten the tension. But it's such, like, a good dad moment that as soon as that happened, not knowing the true events going into the movie, I was like, oh, fuck, he dies in the end. It was too (laughs) sweet of a moment for him to not die in the end. We got there with Steve this season. I was convinced Steve was going to die Because he didn't this time, I feel like Steve is a sacrificial lamb going into the climax of season five. Steve is going to fucking die, dude.
1: I I could see Steve like sacrifice, like noble sacrifice to save everybody. Like Eleven can't do it. It can only be Steve.
2: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that (laughs) would
1: uh, that would hurt, though. If the whole
2: show comes down to Steve saving the day. And then dying heroically, this would simultaneously be the best show ever and an unforgivable tragedy. I oh, think it would be <laughs> incredible.
0: It would be devastating. I think oh, I feel like Eleven might die in season five as well. I feel like they can totally okay with pull it. like a sacrificial. at leg. this point
2: I'd be fine, but it's just it's tedious a little bit. It is
1: wild. The characters that like I cared about immensely in season like um, Mike and Eleven, like I cared about a lot in season one, Nancy and um uh, Nancy and Hopper, I cared about a lot in season one. Now that we're in season four, like I don't care about any of those characters. Like now it's Steve, it's Nancy, and it's um, uh, and it's Max, and and then Eddie. Like those yeah. are the people I care about, and I lo- like Steve and shit. What's um Gaeton, character's name? Dustin. Oh Dustin. Oh uh, yeah. It Steve and Dustin. Like you know, those are the homies for life. <laughs>
0: I do not think they can kill Dustin. I think Dustin is like the one, maybe like the one truly safe person. I think so. I think so. I
2: think Mike's dad, he's safe. He's oh too much God. of a
1: dick. <laughs> dude, Mike's dad show. is the
2: villain Mike's of the dad. show. <laughs> Mike's dad is so goddamn funny. God, I dude, love dude,
1: everything really about Mike's dad. Every, every scene he's in, I'm like, yeah, you nailed this guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I got a question for you guys. So, We did do, we did a podcast on part one of this season already. So I do want to, I want to get your opinion on how this functions as a part two. Brian, we talked about this off mic about how, how fun the anticipation was that they had split it up this way because I, I timed it out. And if they had released all of the episodes one a week, it still would have ended this past weekend. So, you know, all we really did is we had. The first dropper on Memorial Day and then they made us wait just a little over a month right before we got the other one. Uh, I found it super effective in terms of getting me excited. Did you guys feel the same way?
1: Yeah, I definitely feel it It was a very good balance between the binge model and the weekly model because you did you get did, these two big things to binge. But you do get that anticipation of like the cliffhanger season finale without the like true pain of waiting a whole year, year and a half, two years for that next season. Mm -hmm. Uh, I really liked I could see more shows and I know a lot of shows are doing that kind of like half season, half season thing, which I'm not a huge fan. Like they're doing these like seven episode mini seasons uh, like twice a year, which is okay. I really like this Stranger Things model. It felt like an event, especially since it's like. Stranger Things feels like a very summer show. It feels like a very like 4th of July show. Um, it was really nice to like have that short break hit July and get this four hour finale. That was like it really that the uh, the last two episodes really delivered like they, it was a. It was a like nonstop uh, go fest the whole time. Uh, it was great. I, yeah, I think it was great.
0: Tim, do you agree?
2: Yeah, I got a uh, got a little little COVID throat acting up for a second. <laughs> I, uh, I, I think it's like the laugh track where it's like everyone always hates the laugh track, but it's been proven that the laugh track makes people laugh more like you on, on a subconscious level. You're like, OK, this is good for me. This is vegetables. You know, it's I I don't want to eat it, but my body feels better when I do. And that's how I feel uh, about like splitting up the stranger things you know, episodes is like, I totally could have binged them all. Also, you know, I was excited about it. I couldn't wait for it. It was probably the right move. Binging like 12 hours is a lot harder than binging, you know, seven or eight and then like four. So it's definitely the right move from like Netflix's perspective. Um, Yeah, it's also just kind of crazy what a monolith Stranger Things is. Like everybody is watching this show like Kate Bish Kate Bush has like the number one song on the planet right now it's like that's crazy you know I was on like Spotify and Metallica's trending it's it's insane that scene with running up that running up that hill
1: is gonna go down as like one of the best musical accompaniment scenes like of all time like they're yeah I should really try to think of what other good ones are but like that what that is iconic for the season that's iconic for this series like i think that that goes up there with like that song is probably only second to the blinking lights the christmas lights on the wall from season one like if you think of one stranger things image it's the the lights on the wall uh that like everyone did in their college dorm room that halloween (laughs) i think the second thing is going to be that scene of running up that hill like that song will always and forever be associated with that
0: scene from stranger things dude every business that i went into this past weekend running up that hill played at least once like yes that is a massive 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 cultural sensation the closest thing i can think of offhand is when the first guardians of the galaxy came out and scene wise you have yeah the like dance to Redbone in the very beginning of it Uh, Leon Redbone not Childish Campino. although that would be a wild scene Um, and then just like how every song from that soundtrack was all over the place that summer
2: Mm -hmm. do you think um, there's a difference between Metallica what is it Master of Puppets is that the one that that plays Mm
0: -hmm. yeah
2: Um, and running up the hill there's like they're different scenes but like Metallica Running Up the Hill scratches an itch where I'm like, I don't think I've really heard this song before. I definitely have, but I don't think I've heard it before. Whereas Metallica hits the note of like, oh, I used to listen to this all the time. Yeah, I think I think Kate Bush scratched that itch of
1: something, you know, but kind of forgot. And also that scene is like it's so tense that it's like this escape. It honestly feels like it might not happen like I could mm-hmm. have seen that scene going the other way. Like you get this epic song and you still don't make it out because they kind of that's kind of what they do in the end. Like they still get Max. Um, but the, yeah, the Master of Puppets is just kind of like a really badass accompaniment to a fight scene that you kind of always know is going to end. What it, it didn't feel as tense. I think it's still a very cool scene, but I don't think Master of Puppets is going to be associated with Stranger
2: Things in the same way that Run Up That Hill will be. For sure. 100% agree. I think they did update it to like, uh, although at least Spotify opened up like a stranger things graphic or like whatever, whatever, like a little video, like a stranger things video changes for it, which I was kind of like, okay, Metallica cashing in on this stranger things money. They know, they know what people are looking for. It's just kind of crazy to me that they're like, okay, we're going to play this song. Uh, Metallica, legendary rock band. We're going to play this song and it's going to blow you up again. And people are going to be listening to this and they're going to be coming to it because of Stranger Things. It's just I don't know. It's crazy. It's crazy how big Stranger Things is. I did it really see is. Uh, someone someone tweeted at Metallica saying like, oh, sorry, guys. There's
1: all these like fake Metallica fans coming to you. And Metallica, or whoever runs their social media account, tweeted back saying like, no, it's totally cool. Like if you like Master of Puppets, I bet you're going to like a bunch of our stuff. Like, check it out basically saying like hey you're new to metallica come on in uh, and it's like one yeah, still trying to dweeb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right <laughs> hey that's the still best rock. way
0: it's wonderful we it's, like money it welcomes people in i mean hell i started listening to them for the first time after zombie land like that scene in the opening of zombie land where they're playing for whom the bell tolls that was my first big metallica moment mm. um yeah i think it's one of those things too with i mean with that scene it's like as someone who hadn't heard it before, uh, I will always associate for whom the bell tolls with the Zombie Land opening. And I definitely think that's the case for most people for Kate Bush. It was like, I'm. I'm a little bit uh, uppity about it because it was on one of my playlists and it was always like a like a secret weapon track where it's like (laughs) this song goes so fucking hard. It is not in the popular consciousness like you drop that on a playlist and people are going to love it and be like, oh, yeah, what was that one? And now it is like going to be one of the most popular songs forever. I
1: was just I actually have a playlist uh, that is specifically like songs that I associate with TV and movies and these are so these are some of my favorites uh, this oh yeah you, you can easily cut this for time oh this um, is great wild world by cat stevens Ooh, baby baby it's a wild world from the like crazy ending of skins season one Life on Mars by David Bowie from season
2: one. There's so many wild world is bigger than skins. I'm just going to say that right here. If This is a bunch of cat Stevens blasphemy. I'm not here for it, Brian. No, I'm telling you So skins was like a good show. And then the last
1: scene of, of season one spoilers for Skins season one is Tony, the main character played by, um, uh, Oh, what's his name? Uh, Timothy, uh, Holt played by Nicholas Holt gets hit by a bus. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, like a show that is never broken, like reality just starts to everyone starts to sing. And they start to sing Cat Stevens Wild World. Anyway, I Can't Stand the Rain by Ann Peebles from High Fidelity, the show. After Hours by We Are the Scientist from Nick Norris Infinite Playlist. Salisbury Hill from the end of uh, Halt and Catch Fire. The impression that I get by the mind of from, from the Fire? Digimon
0: movie. Oh, yeah. These are show. pretty deep cut shows. These
2: are also like the fifth time a lot of these songs have been used in like a movie or TV show. I feel like wasn't Salisbury Hill written for that rom-com that nobody watched that I didn't like. Well, I don't know.
1: My, my number one, my number one is uh, a song called This Bitter Earth by Dinah Washington. That was pl- that was played in a scene, but in this famous um, like kind of experimental film called Killer of Sheep. And it's just these two people dancing in slow motion. Uh, And it's that song will haunt me forever because of that scene. And I think this is a long this is a long journey just to say that scene will now be iconic.
0: In television history. Hell yeah, man, they earned it. And I love that they uh, that callback that they had in part two where it was the Stranger Things theme mashed up with running up that hill. I really wonder if they did that. The Stranger Things take on it. After part one came out, because I remember an interview with the Duffer brothers, they said that they were still very much actively working on part two. The weekend that part one came out. So I wonder if they were like they noticed that and they're like, shit, we got to put it back in. People are going to love this.
2: Yeah. Did they have another song in mind for the finale or was it just always they just went all in on
0: Kate Bush? It was going to be Cat Stevens originally.
2: It was going <laughs> to be wild world originally. It was going to be wild world. Ooh, baby, It's a wild Man, that world. That scene
1: would have been haunting if it was wild world.
0: Dude, in part two or in episode two of part two of season four, there was a moment where for like three song cues in a row, they were track for track with the Remember the Titans soundtrack. And two of the people I was watching <laughs> it with noticed that. And they're like, wait a minute. Holy shit. It would have been incredible if they just committed to like, yeah. And the soundtrack for episode two is just Remember Wait, the Titans. Well,
1: let's 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 be very clear here. You were watching it with two other people and three people that you were and watching with total knew the Remember the Titans soundtrack well enough to realize, oh, this three, this three song set list is from the Remember the Titans soundtrack.
0: <laughs> nuts. I myself wasn't there. What so were the of songs? the four people in the room, too. Oh, it's an amazing soundtrack. It was uh, it was around the Link time the when they hijacked the van. I think there's CCR playing when they hijacked the Winnebago and start driving. Yeah, I think so. And then the next sound cue after that. And I think one more were like, boom, boom, boom. Remember the Titans, which is just very funny.
2: I don't think it's in Remember the Titans, but there's a journey song in there. Yes, that I oh, open arms. I didn't love that. Uh, I didn't love that sound cue. That's that was my take on it. Maybe it's, maybe I just listened to too much journey, but I was just like it was just like so high. It was like so high energy and it ends with them walking into the house. I think that was that was that the ending of last season? or Was that the ending of like that might have been the ending of the second to last episode? I think that was the ending of. Yeah, the second last episode.
1: Yeah. I yeah. think it, it was a little bit of a weird choice, but they made it like creepy enough and operatic enough by the end. So they like they, they twinged it just enough that I was like, oh, this is kind of creepy to hear Oh, man, I can't remember the singer's voice. Don't Steve Perry. love Steve Perry. will find uh, you? Yeah, yeah,
2: Steve Perry. Love will find you. Is that the one? Yeah. Break those chains that bind you. I'm like, I don't know if this really makes the sense. Love will find you. And they're entering a haunted house to fight a bad guy. I'm like, eh, OK, it's all right. Running up the hill is like so power. It's just hard to I don't know. It's hard to follow that up. I guess is what I'm trying to say.
1: Really running up that hill just had the perfect sound of like 80s synth pop hmm that it, it just feels like it was written for like the style of stranger things i wouldn't be surprised if they had that in their like you know whiteboard playlist all the way from like when they started they would be like oh this is our inspiration for the whole show
0: yeah this sound they've just been waiting to afford the rights to probably a very affordable song <laughs> um
1: <laughs> <laughs> not anymore oh do not anymore it's, it's done you can't use it now without it, it is being done. a callback
0: yeah, I got a question for you guys. It's no wild
2: world where you can just throw it into every movie, <laughs> every chance you get. I stand
1: by that one. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just sending you that. I'm to send you that scene. You know, send me the scene. I do want to watch it. I'm gonna send you a box set of season one of Skins because you kind of got to watch the whole thing. Yeah,
0: it's great. Oh man, did you guys? Uh, <laughs> I think my last question is: they have been exposed to the upside down for a while now, but. Is anyone else still a little bit troubled that they're walking around in the upside down and they're inhaling that like stuff, the ash, whatever's hanging in the air. They're just inhaling it willy nilly like it's no problem. Nobody's trying to put a mask on all these spores.
2: Yeah, no one's no one said anything about it. It's a little weird. Didn't that almost kill Will in the first season? Wasn't that part of it or was he just starving to death? Now I'm like, oh, he was gone for a month. He's like just starving or he something. He could have starved to death. But it wasn't he like, wasn't it killing him? Like wasn't being in the other wasn't he sick I like from that? So.
0: Maybe he's just in there eating bats. Or like he had to go raid fridges that had been upside down for like a month. Yeah. Um do we I know we only have a couple minutes left. Do we want to talk about the like
1: two day time jump that felt a little weird at the very end? Oh, yes.
2: Yeah, it felt like a two day time jump before like a two month time jump. I was like, this is it. Only two days. You could have just walked out of here and nothing would have changed. But I guess they needed everybody to come together and they needed two days to do it. I do always
1: like seeing the stuff that happens like right after the big thing happens. But it did feel weird that like for the past, you know, four hours of this, you know, two episode finale, it was just go, 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 push, 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 tension, tension, tension. And then. Big climactic scene happens. They lose. And then we cut to two days later and everyone's just like, it's bright and sunny out now. Everyone's just like <laughs> helping out at the gymnasium. Limping it around felt a little weird. Like, I think it's what it was. I think it was correct to do it, but it felt weird. I'm. I guess I'm happy with it, but it did feel weird in the moment.
2: Did you uh, did that? Did you think that flow nicely with all the superhero poses at the end of the movie, where they all look like fucking Marvel <laughs> characters getting ready to suit up and fight a bad guy? Like they're they all look like superheroes out there, like incredible blocking in the final scenes of them just looking out at the town, <laughs> slowly burning to death or whatever. I don't whatever's going on with it. I have no idea what,
0: what's going on. They're standing in a town. field. Standing in a field full of flowers that were propagated from Willy Wonka's warehouse. It's like to show that contrast between the dead flowers and the living ones. They made the most unrealistic living flowers I have ever seen. It seemed like where they yeah, were was standing like, was, was the like alternative dimension. music
1: flowers. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The hills were alive except for the half that was dead from all the <laughs> terrible stuff that they did in the upside down. Wild shit. I can't wait to see where it goes. Brian, thank you so much for being here with us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Love to have you. And you got something relevant to plug, too. I do. I I run
1: a number of podcasts, one of them being the 20-sided podcast, which is the D&D actual play show. We're in the middle of season two right now. Uh, Kevin was actually one of the players in season one, uh, Escape from the RMS Titanfall. It's an 11-episode arc. Uh, Check it out. But we also, I run a second podcast called It's Great Stuff. I wrote a second podcast called My First Dungeon, which uh, they are three episode series. In episode one, I take a new dungeon master, teach them how to play. In episode two, they run their very first game. And in episode three, we kind of see how they did. We talk back through Uh, our season three just got released. We're playing a new game. A friend of mine wrote called Something is Wrong with the Chickens. It is a game of poultry, eldritch horrors and revenge. It is as weird and wacky as it sounds. Uh, We just released episode one, episodes two and three will be coming out in the next two weeks. They're super fun. And I with the sound design, I went very stranger things. There's a lot of 80s synth while uh, chickens and ducks with tentacles and scales are trying to uh, take over a state (laughs) fair. It sounds weird. It absolutely is. I strongly recommend you check it out. It's a great game and we have a lot of fun playing it. I mean, I'll be
2: listening. Tim, anything else we should add? In my experience, D&D is just for hoodlums and satanic cultists. And it's up. It's for no good people up to no good. You know, so I don't know. I would strongly dissuade anyone from, you know, listening
0: to Brian's Brian's podcast being corrupted by the evil within. I should say Tim is wearing a full varsity jacket right now, and he is perusing perusing his (laughs) way through an army thrift store. Man, lost the ability to speak toward the end of the pod. That means it's time. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, this has been Nerdy for 30. Make sure to rate us five stars on whatever you're listening on. Send us an email, nerdyfor30 at gmail.com. Tune into the next episode. And until then, stay nerdy, everybody.
2: Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Great stuff. Great stuff so brian are you like is this like really like a cult thing you're really playing that scary game from stranger things yeah playing that straight that scary game it's great but isn't it like for devil worshipers and stuff yeah totally oh